Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens today. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, for the first time, we'll be discussing a picture book, Crankenstein, by Samantha Berger and illustrated by Dan Santat. It's about a child whose response to having to get up for school, waiting in long lines at the amusement park, and being forced to take gross cough syrup owes a lot to Boris Karloff, complete with groans and green skin. The book is being published in August by Little Brown, which is sponsoring this podcast. Samantha Berger's previous picture books include Martha Doesn't Share and Martha Doesn't Say Sorry. Dan Santat is the illustrator of numerous picture books, including The Three Ninja Pigs and Cal Gilligan's Daredevil Stunt Show, as well as the author and illustrator of the graphic novel Sidekicks. Uh, Samantha and Dan, thanks for speaking with me. Thanks, thanks for having so us. much for having us. Uh, so, Samantha, I'll start with you. Uh, your Martha picture books also star a child, uh, or an otter, I guess, who's guilty of some bad behavior. Uh, do you feel particularly drawn toward telling stories about kids' uh, more selfish and cranky tendencies? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, yes, I sure do. I think that that exists in all of us. It's not unique to children, and I think that... Um, we all sort of have to find our own coping mechanisms to dealing with the world and getting around our specific issues. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, did this story in particular sort of start with the, the play on words in you know, the title, Crankenstein? It did start with the title, but it was also very much inspired by the fact that we all have monsters inside of us and on certain days... When you say you make a great pot of coffee and you find out that you have no milk in the house, you could very well run into Frankenstein right in the mirror. <laughs> uh, now, now, Dan, I know you have kids. Uh, so are they of the Frankenstein variety sometimes or is that more of your department as dad? Uh, you know, I think I think it's uh, uh, both of us share our, our Frankenstein moments with two children. Uh, you know, I, I, I reflect on the terrible twos and I think the reason why they are the terrible twos is because... Kids tend to not want to take their naps around that age, mm-hmm. and they're just and they're just really exhausted. And so, by the end of the day, what my wife and I refer to as the witching hour. But uh, more often than not, I've heard lots of other parents refer to him as uh, Frankenstein's. <laughs> um, on the other hand, I'm I'm also the same. I, I, I'm I'm also guilty of that same uh, thing where uh, I, I tend to. Uh, I tend to burn the candle at both edges where uh, I do a lot of parenting and a lot of housework, uh, but then I'm also juggling uh, lots of book projects. And on average, on average, I'll get like four or five hours of sleep a night. (laughs) Um, And with that, if I don't have a really good cup of coffee or multiple cups of coffee, I can be a slightly irritable person, but uh, more often than not, I'd have to say... Just the sheer act of my children waking up it will guarantee that they'll just start the day off on a wrong foot. <laughs> and of course, as adults, we don't have the benefit of uh, nap time when the witching hour comes around always either. Uh, so now, Samantha, I, you don't illustrate your own picture books. So what is that uh, process like for you? Um, how does it feel to entrust your, your idea for someone else to illustrate? Well, it's uh, especially interesting in my case because I illustrate. So uh, many times I will illustrate my books out, and then I we will find the perfect illustrator for that particular book. And um, it's a great it's a great process to see how somebody else will interpret 
what you had in your mind. And especially when it's somebody like Dan and you already love their work and know their work, uh-huh. um, you know, I couldn't ask for anything. It's like a dream come true, really. <laughs> so Dan, how did you come to be involved with this uh, particular project then? Were you approached by the editor? Um, well, it's funny because Samantha and I knew each other before this project even came about, I believe. Uh, yes. Samantha, Samantha used to work at Nickelodeon. And I remember talking to her in her office about, I, was it this project specifically, Samantha? Yeah, I think it was this project. And then, and then I, had already, I, I had already been given the task of illustrating a, a couple middle grade novels for Little Brown uh, with the editor, Connie Sue, who was Samantha's editor for this project. And, uh, you know, I think Connie, Connie wanted to work with me on another project. Um, I'm, I don't recall if I believe, I believe Samantha dropped my name in the hat and Connie thought it would be a great idea to have me in on it. Um, and so, you know, this project, I read, I read the manuscript and I immediately fell in love with it, uh, for several reasons. One being that, um, you know, it's a surprise that, it's a surprise that no other author has done this story yet it's uh i've spoken to lots of other authors who have said like you know this is such a good idea i wish i had written it and then what i found really great about the story was that the pacing was so good that uh each illustration in the book pretty much clearly painted itself in my head um and it's it's a rare it's a rare situation where I don't have to really wrestle with the page turns and the page breaks to make a manuscript work. This thing just flowed out of me. Like, you know, I remember sketching out the first dummy and it, it, I think it literally took me uh, a day and a half to, to complete. Hmm. And, uh, you know, going back to the idea that, you know, this is a book about some, some kids who are not in the best moods. Dan, I have to imagine that getting to draw some more mischievous uh, characters, you know, lets you let loose and have fun with what you're doing. Was that pretty much the case in terms of the content of this book? Yeah, um, you know, all, all the one, all the one-line jokes, um, pretty much. It, it it already had a humorous tone to it. Uh, so, for example, there was the spread uh, about Frankenstein hating to wait in long lines, and um, on the left side of the spread. You know, he's standing in line for this uh, amusement park ride. And, and for anybody who's ever been to a place like Disneyland or, or uh, you know, a theme park, um, there's always those signs that say, uh, standing at this point will be, you know, a 90-minute wait to get on the ride, which, you know, for, for every kid waiting in a line, you know, 90 minutes is an eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and, and, I, and I could have simply left the illustration at that. That would have been the joke right there. But, um, you know, I just I just found that there was so there was so much space to, to add even more visual jokes on top of the joke uh, implied in the in the text that uh, in that same spread further down the line, uh, there's a sign <laughs> that also says you must be at least this tall to ride the ride. <laughs> and and. Unbeknownst to the, to the to the Frankenstein, you know he does he will not find out later on until he gets further down the line that he is also too short to be on the ride in the first place. <laughs> Things are going to get worse before they uh, get. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I almost I almost got into a point where I I, I wanted to run him through the ringer, you know, <laughs> it, visually. 
<laughs> uh, Samantha, you've worked uh, in the past as a children's book editor. Um, so I have. What, uh, what did being on that side of the sort of author-publisher relationship uh, teach you about writing for kids? You know, uh, let's see. I, I have... I have worn many hats in my life, uh, some bonnets and some derbies included. <laughs> and I have um, been on the book side and on the television side. It's all surrounded uh, with making work for kids because I'm so immature. <laughs> and so I think it's helpful to, in the end, to have uh, worn many hats on many sides of the business because you relate to the editorial side. You can imagine the meeting where the book is being pitched. Um, I have also been on like the promotion side of like writing movie trailers and stuff like that. So it helps you think about um, the one-liner you would pitch it as or the promo copy, how you would sell this book in. Um, and it helps you know... Um, become an expert on, on the market also and what's out there. And I had the same reaction as Dan and some other of our friends who are also children's book creators when they said, what do you mean? Frankenstein doesn't exist already? That's not a book already? That should be a book. I can't believe I didn't come up with that. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's, yeah, it should be a book. And absolutely it should be. So I, I like knowing um, all parts of the business. I, I kind of, I think that's like a unique perspective to bring to it. Okay. And, um, you know, speaking of some of the sort of uh, other parts of the business, you've also, I understand, done some uh, picture book audio narration. Is I that, do. That, so, yeah. so, you know, given that picture books are all about the read aloud in a lot of ways, um, has that experience also been helpful in thinking about the way you, you structure and tell your stories? Uh, yes. I When I'm writing stories um, or when I'm writing children's television, I have to read it out loud and I have to read it in the characters' voices. My neighbors definitely think that I'm either schizophrenic or, you know, hosting parties where they don't see anybody coming or going because there are huge conversations happening in this apartment. Um, and, uh, and I think that I, I can't imagine writing without reading it out loud. I just can't. Uh, now, Dan, what about you? Uh, your picture books often have a very sort of cinematic, in-your-face style, lots of visual humor in there, like we've discussed. Um, what, are your, what are your goals when you set out to illustrate a book, especially one that you know, comes from another, another writer? Uh, coming from a background of uh, editorial illustration and just meeting, meeting quick deadlines and so forth, um, part of, part of uh, I think part of my goals as a children's book illustrator is to take the text uh, and, and, and the main goal is to, the main goal is to be more narrative with the illustrations to, to apply to that text. But, um, I also find that it's also important to tell, tell more of the story with the illustrations. So the thing that's not noted in the, uh, in the dialogue of, of the story. I, I sometimes like to make little sub stories within the manuscript to to follow along. I might be dating myself, but uh, there's that there's that line in uh, the the movie. This is Spinal Tap, where you know he talks about his ampli you know his amplifier, and he he wants it to go to eleven, mm -hmm. you know. And it's already it's already a great manuscript if you were to read it out loud, you know. It's a ten, but the job for the illustrator is to make the text, you know one louder now mm -hmm. you know yeah. so you know you make it you make it you make it funny but then it's your job as the illustrator to make it hysterical you know, you have to take it to this other level and it's it, it, i think i think it's my it's my opportunity to to 
in a certain degree, uh, contribute to the story as well. Excellent. And, um, you know, as we've talked about a little bit, uh, both of you have actually experience in the TV world. Uh, Samantha, you were at Nickelodeon. Uh, Dan, you created uh, the Disney animated series, The Replacements. Um, so I'm curious about what, what both of you think about the different ways children are exposed to stories, whether it's sitting down with a picture book or playing a video game or watching a TV show or a movie. You know, are different forms of media and storytelling important in different ways, I guess? Um, Dan, what about you first? Um... Um, well, I always, I always had issues with television in the sense that uh, there's a lot of focus group testing. It's not about, it's not about the message, but it's about getting as many uh, viewers in that time slot as possible for that given moment. Um, so I find that there's a lot of, there's a lot of compromises in terms of trying to um, please everyone all at once. Um, with this particular uh, medium in, in picture books. I find that uh, the publishing world, even though they do want to try to get as many uh, readers interested in the story, there is uh, a faithfulness to the original vision of the message. And I think there's always this misunderstanding that maybe publishers are telling authors uh, how they want the story to be in order to make it more popular. But um, from my experience in the years of publishing, it's it's actually the opposite where the editors are always looking to see what uh, the author's message is in the story, and, and it's their job as editors to try to make that message as clear as possible. And, and to that, I mean, you know, I think that's why um, I prefer doing picture books uh, over over a TV show. You know, there's it, it doesn't get so muddled with the the corporate aspects of things. You know, it's not you in a room with uh, six or seven executives uh, all trying to uh, make this popular thing, but rather it's it's you, the author, with one editor, one art director, and an illustrator, um, and you're just trying to make this this product as best as it can be. Hmm. And uh, what about you, Samantha? What do you think about the the different forms that stories for kids can take? I, I do tend to agree with Dan. I think that you get your best, most original, most wonderful, memorable stories when it's a vision of as few people as possible rather than a committee. That said, sometimes you get that in television. It's pretty rare, but sometimes you do, and it's just brilliant. Like, to me, Bugs Bunny is an example of what, you know, it, it was just a few guys and they said, we're going to write this, we're going to draw it, we're going to storyboard it, we're going to cross-dress him, we're going to, you know, have him get do things that are crazy, uh, all the laws of the universe will be turned over, mm-hmm. um, we're going to do all, every single voice ourselves and... Um, and you have sort of timeless genius there. But so, so many times I'm watching Bugs Bunny and I think, man, these guys never would have gotten away with this today at a network. No way. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a miracle, you know, and that's what made it brilliant. So every now and then, you know, you'll see great, great storytelling um, that is on television. But it's generally that the people got sort of creative autonomy. To be yeah, exactly. like they went under the radar. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, and I and I love when that happens. And I love cartoons. So 
So, you know, I'll watch those as well every time. Now, Dan, your your artwork often incorporates, uh, I'd say, uh, ethnically diverse characters in a very matter of fact, this is what the world really looks like kind of way. Um, in the playground scene at the end of this book, you know, there's kids of every color represented. And I was thinking back to the heroine of your Oh No books with Mac Barnett. And, you know, in the hands of another illustrator that might have not even been about a girl, let alone one with uh, brown skin. Is that something you actively think about in your work and also something that you have the freedom to to do? Um, yeah, I mean, well, you know, a lot of times I use the illustrations to my advantage to uh, kind of express uh, maybe personal personal thoughts. Like uh, with, with the girl from Oh No, uh, you know, my, my wife and I, we have two boys and we always discuss what it would be like if we had a daughter. <laughs> and so uh, actually the girl from Oh No was uh, like my visual representation of what uh, my wife and I would have had uh, if we had a daughter, you know, <laughs> so like little subtle things like, um, you know, I know, I know where my wife likes to shop. So she's wearing clothes. That's indicative of, you know, shopping at like the gap or something. Um, and then uh, other things, uh, like, uh, she wears glasses, but my wife and I, we both wear glasses. Um, she's left-handed, uh, little subtle things like that. Um, and, and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of characters that I have in books are, are often modeled after, uh, kids that, that are friends of my, you know, of my children. I don't want to date myself in terms of, uh, clothing and attire. And so, you know, I'll look through, uh, I'll look through like urban outfitters catalogs and, you know, I'll dress my kids in, in, uh, in clothing that, you know, maybe you'd find in a, you know, in a in a modern day clothing store, as opposed to maybe if you were looking at a circa nineteen eighties uh, book cover, it's you know denim overalls, you know that are acid washed. You're like you're not going to find that these days. I, mm -hmm. I try to I try to remain current, uh, and um, it's always challenging to draw children. So it, it's good to have uh, references of uh, of all sorts, but uh, also publishers. Publishers also uh, look for that kind of ethnic diversity in the work, and it's always good for me to kind of, you know, stay sharp um, in terms of being to, being able to draw all different uh, ethnicities. Just just for my personal, you know, my personal, um, you know, uh, interests and abilities. Hmm. Um, so, you know, this book is not coming out for a little bit of time yet. So, but I, I am curious, uh, Samantha, you know, what else do you have in the pipeline? What's, uh, what's next for you maybe either in books or in other projects? The next book I have coming out after this is called Witch Spa. <laughs> if you can't really hear that, it's like witches, Halloween witches who go to a spa of witchified spa treatments. <laughs> and, uh, and that's coming out with Dial next year. Right now, I just wrote an episode of a new uh, preschool show for PBS Kids that's called Peg Plus Cat that's coming out. And uh, it was so great to work on a show that you just love and believe in. And I think this is going to be a fantastic show. I love the people doing it. It was a great team. So that's what's on deck. <laughs> Sounds good. And uh, what about you, Dan? You know, you're generally pretty prolific, you usually have you know, several books out each year. Uh, let's see. Um, let me, let me go down the list here. Uh, <laughs> I am working on the third, uh, Nanny Piggins middle grade, uh, book, Yay! 
uh, also edited by Connie Sue. Um, Little Brown also has me working on this great series called uh, The Imaginary Veterinary. And so the first one just came out. It's called The Sasquatch Escape. They've signed me to three more books. So that's what I'm working on right now. And then um, Three Ninja Pigs did really well. So I'm actually doing uh, another picture book with the uh, author, Corey Rosen-Schwartz, uh, called Ninja Red, which is a ninjified adaptation of uh, Little Red Riding Hood. Uh, on my own front, I'm finishing up my own picture book, uh, also with Little Brown. It's called uh, Beagle, the Unimaginary Friend. And it's a story about... Uh, this imaginary friend who is so, uh, I guess, I guess to describe it, he's so strange looking that no kid in the world can imagine him. <laughs> so the imaginary friend goes on a journey to find his best friend. There's that. And then um, I'm working on uh, my next graphic novel with Scholastic. Uh, it's not a sequel to Sidekicks. It's, um, it's a, a graphic novel that I'm working on called The Aquanaut. And uh, it's about these sea creatures that uh, take an old diving suit and convert it into a land walking device so that they can come to the surface and find uh, this SeaWorld type place because they think it's this Shangri-La that's going to keep them safe from all the world's dangers. And then what else do I have? I have I have a top secret project at Scholastic that I'm not allowed to talk about, but it is going to be coming out, I think, this late spring or early summer. Okay. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, – I'm really excited for that. Um, secret though it is. <laughs> it's like – no, believe me. Like, it's eating me up inside. I, I, I can't – I want to tell – I want to scream it out on the top of a mountain. But, uh, you know, I've, I've sworn to secrecy about it. All right. Um, and then other than that, uh, you know, I have, I have a book coming out with Chronicle. Um, and then I have another picture book coming out with uh, Abrams. Yeah. All so right. So, yeah. lots, lots of stuff. Not bad. Well, you guys, it sounds like you both have a lot, a lot to keep you busy. And, uh, you know, certainly congratulations on Krankenstein uh, coming out in time for uh, in time for Halloween, but not necessarily uh, a Halloween book. But uh, thank you again both for speaking with me. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks so much. Uh, once again, I've been talking with uh, Samantha Berger and Dan Santat, whose new picture book, Krankenstein, comes out from Little Brown in August. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast. Mm-hmm.